Hi, I'm Sean Hessier, and this is Small Biz in 15, the show where we bring you small business success in 15 minutes or less. Please like and subscribe if you enjoy the show. Between boomers seeking to cash in and fears of inflation and recession, more small businesses are expected to go up for sale. But how do you get the money to buy one of them? One option, says Chris Hearn, founder and CEO of Fountainhead Commercial Capital, is a loan backed by the U.S. Small Business Administration. Chris, to start out, can you talk a little bit about what the advantages are of using an SBA-backed loan to acquire a business? Sure, be happy to, Sean. Um, typically, bar, small business borrowers utilize SBA loan programs because um, oftentimes the down payment or equity injection is oftentimes half to a third of what an ordinary conventional bank loan would require. So that's a that's a huge advantage, uh, particularly coming out of the pandemic and people realize how precious their capital is. The second big reason people like SBA loans is because they have usually much longer terms to repay the loans compared, again, to ordinary conventional banks. So not uncommon to have a 20-year, excuse me, a 25-year amortization, for instance, on a commercial real estate transaction with an SBA loan, whereas most banks are probably going to be more like a 15 or a 20-year amortization and, quite frankly, probably have a balloon payment after five, seven, or 10 years where you don't have that in the SBA world. Um, those are probably the two biggest advantages, I would say. Um, you also have, I guess we'll call it the ability to utilize the loan proceeds in a much broader fashion than what's often available for a business loan from a, from a conventional lender. And what I mean by that is the 7A loan in particular, the SBA 7A loan, um, that can be used for uh, not just owner-occupied commercial real estate purchases, refinances, renovations, construction, can also be used for business acquisition loans, which are almost um, impossible to get from, a, from an ordinary conventional bank, non-SBA. Um, we, we also use SBA 7A proceeds for partner buyout loans. Uh, we use them for working capital purposes. A lot of franchise financing is done with SBA 7A loans. Uh, leasehold improvements or renovations are made with 7As, equipment financing. We do a lot of business debt refinancing with 7As. So it's just a very versatile loan product and tends to be much, much more flexible and versatile than just an ordinary conventional bank. So those, those are the big reasons why people like to use SBA loans. Can we talk a little bit about what exactly an SBA-backed loan is and how it differs sure. from other kinds of loans? Fundamentally, SBA has been around since the early um, 50s. In fact, I think in July, it celebrates its 69th year anniversary. And it's the only division of the federal government that's focused on entrepreneurship, the growth of small businesses in America, which is a big deal because it's almost half of the employment in America is done through these firms. So um, in terms of what SBA is meant to do, SBA is not a lender. And I, and I get this question a lot. People don't necessarily realize this. They just assume SBA is the one funding all these loans. They're not. SBA actually is meant to be effectively a backstop for private sector lenders. They provide effectively insurance. It's, a, it's a, what's called a government guarantee. So on a, on a typical SBA 7A loan, which is what we're talking about, we have a federal government guarantee of anywhere from 75% to 85% of the loan amount, depending on the size of the loan and, and whatnot. And so that the reason that exists is it's meant to incentivize lenders like ourselves 
to give more favorable terms for a loan, to make a loan that maybe it would be on the margin that we wouldn't necessarily want to make conventionally, for instance. So I'm not suggesting we make bad loans. The SBA is certainly not trying to encourage lenders to make poor credit decisions, but they do want to help nudge lenders you know, over the line if something's kind of uh, in the gray area a little bit. And, and frankly, when we're able to do longer terms, that helps the business owner, um, you know, lower their, their, their monthly outlays. You know, it, it keeps their cash flow as positive as possible when they've got a longer term to repay it. Um, same with having a much lower down payment. Talking about this, uh, using SBA-backed loans for acquisitions, what, what's the particular relevance right now uh, in, in terms of, of, of this whole topic? Well, if we're talking uh, business acquisitions as opposed to just commercial real estate acquisitions, the, the uh, reason it's, it's much more of a relevant topic these days is because you have a tremendous amount of business owners that are retiring, uh, that are reti- uh, you know, reaching retirement age. You know, there was a statistic I saw about a year ago that I think it's 56% of all small to mid-sized companies in America are owned by baby boomers. Well, it's no secret there's like 9,000 baby boomers retiring every single day for like the next nine years. So there's going to be a boom in business acquisition opportunities um, because most business owners don't want to just simply shut the business down and get nothing for it. They'd much rather sell the business if that's a possibility. And, and frankly, most of these folks don't really want to hold the paper, don't want to do seller financing. They'd rather have somebody come in and pay them cash or uh, you know, somebody who gets financing effectively then pays them cash to the financing. So that's something that you're going to see much more of going forward. Um, you know, times like what we've just been through with the pandemic, I think that accelerated some people's uh, desire to exit a little faster, perhaps. Um, you know, same thing with right now going through an inflationary period of time. I think you're going to see more and more sellers want to uh, want to move on. You mentioned uh, inflation, and I was wondering if inflation coupled with uh, the concerns that we're hearing now in the press about a possible recession might also be accelerating uh, the interest of people to sort of cash out, to get what they can from their business and and move on. Yeah, no, that's exactly what what, uh, I was referring to there, Sean. It it definitely happens more in times like these. you know, the, the also the, the downside that we were talking about a few minutes ago, why, why some banks don't want to, or a lot of conventional banks don't like to participate in some of these um, is partly because of the, the macroeconomic environment we find ourselves in. You know, when, when inflation has been rising as it has been over the last year or so, um, that obviously puts some doubt in a lender's mind about the repayment ability from that borrower, you know, as, as their costs are increasing across the board. Um, whether it's labor costs or inventory costs or, you know, just a variety of different things, shipping costs. Um, and then, of course, in order to tamp down inflation, oftentimes one of the best tools is, is for the Fed to, to raise their short-term borrowing rates, which then trickles out into the economy with, um, you know, the various interest rate indexes all increasing and which results in business loan rates increasing and consumer loan rates increasing. And then that that sets off a whole nother chain of events of, of lenders being concerned about their borrowers' ability to meet their debt obligations, their repayment, because now all their interest costs are higher as well. So this is this is a, a bit of a treacherous time. There's no doubt, and that's partly why you see a lot of a lot more sellers 
out there willing to unload their business now? Chris, I've decided I want to I want to acquire a business, or maybe I've talked to somebody and and they want to sell me their business, and okay. I, I want to look into this this option. Uh, what, what what's my first step? What do I do? What what's the what's the how do I start? Well, I mean, presumably you've you've had this discuss. Well, are, in this hypothetical shot, are we have you already found the business, or you're you're just seeking it out at the moment? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, so there would be different steps if I had found it versus if I just decided I wanted to acquire one. So let's right. say, uh, yeah, I, I talked to somebody and somebody wants to to sell, and I know they want to sell, and they they're willing to sell to me if right. I can get financing for it. Yeah. So, okay. So that's good because the, the, if you didn't, if you didn't have a business already sort of outlined that you want to acquire, somebody wants to sell you, oftentimes the answer would be, you need to work with a business broker um, who actually is in that space. And you're effectively outsourcing, um, you know, the, the finding of the business, much like you would outsource to a residential um, agent to find you a house, for instance, if you decided to buy a house. So they're very, very similar, very analogous. So if you have already found a business that you're interested in purchasing and you have had a discussion with the seller and maybe maybe you have a price in mind, maybe, maybe it's it's dependent on other things, um, what oftentimes you need to do is, is start working with a lender to determine how financeable you are and the business is because it's really a combination. It's not just how that business has performed historically, it's also how you know, your ability to repay the loan itself and how you may be able to run the business going forward. So, so lenders want to look at your experience. Um, you don't necessarily have to have direct industry experience for that business, but you need to have similar uh, industry experience. In other words, if you've never managed people before, it's going to be a real difficult uphill battle for you to try and get financing. Uh, from any lender for that in that situation. Um, you know, lenders are going to want to know what kind of personal liquidity you have. In other words, what kind of resources do you have to fall back upon if the business isn't going as you hoped it would? Okay. Um, also making sure that you have enough liquidity that you can actually put the down payment in place because otherwise you're not going to be able to, to get the financing. Um, so a few things like that, they matter. Um, getting the seller's financials uh, is very critical to make a business acquisition transaction go smoothly. If you have a, uh, a resident seller, uh, somebody who's a little difficult, doesn't want to share those numbers, um, to me as a, as a uh, banker or even to me as a buyer of a business, that, those are big red flags to me. Um, something's a little fishy, perhaps. So, you know, you got to hopefully you're dealing with somebody who's sophisticated enough as a seller to understand that. They're going to have to show some historical performance in the business, frankly, to get the purchase price, to get the price that they're selling the business for, the, the sales price, to get that price, to justify that price in many ways, and to give confidence to that buyer as well as that buyer's uh, financing partner, the, the lender. Um, so those are some things to look at. Um, you know, getting, uh, being able to demonstrate uh, how you've performed over the past in terms of your debt repayments. So, um, you know, taking a look at you as the buyer's personal credit, make sure that you've got a strong repayment history, make sure that you haven't had a, a couple bankruptcies or lawsuits where you've sued a lender, you know, little things like that oftentimes are pretty big red flags for a lender. Um, you know, and so, and, and what I'll tell you is in our situation, we, we asked for some very 
specific documents in a transaction like this up front. It's preliminary documents. And so we typically ask for three years of business tax returns, either on the operating company that you have or the operating company that you want to acquire, okay, the business you want to acquire. We ask for interim financial statements. So that's, you know, profit and loss statement balance sheet that's recent, okay, usually within 120 days. So we know how the business has recently been performing. We ask for a business debt schedule. So we know what kind of uh, payments are being made on a monthly basis, debt payments are being made. And some of that may go away with your acquisition. Some of it may not. So that's, we want to get our handle around that. Um, on the other side, on the personal side, we want to make sure we've got three years of your personal tax returns to see how, how you've uh, made money over the years. We want to make sure we get your personal financial statement, which is similar to getting the business financial statement. And that that's going to give us an indication of what kind of uh, personal resources you have and what your debt obligations are. And then the last thing we get is an authorization or at least personal credit, which, which really digs into this and at a granular level tells us what kind of personal debt obligations you have that you're going to have to maintain going forward, whether you do this transaction or not. And it gives us an indicator of, of how good of a borrower you've been. That's, that's, the, that's the, the FICO score, for instance, kind of like a report card in school, right? So we get those basic things and we, uh, we understand what the potential purchase price is. We will ultimately get that verified by, by getting a business valuation, a third party who will verify that that's a fair price to pay. And you're going to want to know that yourself as a buyer. So we take a look at all these things. And uh, if it makes sense, then we issue an approval letter um, to get things started. And, and we have the, the buyer, hopefully our future borrower, execute that, send us back what we call the good faith deposit, which enables us to immediately start ordering some of these third-party reports to keep this thing on track. And, uh, and we go from there. And we, then we finish our full underwriting. We, uh, we, we pull the SBA approval number because we're a PLP borrower, uh, excuse me, a PLP lender, which means we're a part of the SBA's preferred lending program, allows us uh, designated underwriting to make our own credit decisions. But once we have that, we issue the commitment letter and we start working on the closing and, and we go from there. And hopefully in a relatively short period of time, usually 45 to 60 days, uh, you're at the closing table and you own your new business. And now it's time for our small biz tip in 15 seconds or less. Consider acquiring a small business as an alternative to startup. You'll gain the advantages of an established customer base and revenue stream as opposed to the years spent developing one of your own. Thanks again to Chris Hearn. Please like and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And please leave a comment and let us know what topics you'd like to see on future programs. For more small business news and tips, join us at smallbiztrends.com.